Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. You know, everyone wants respectful, well-behaved kids who make good choices, right? Well, my guest on today's show is internationally known psychologist and author, Dr. Kevin Lehman, and he's offering parents practical, action-oriented advice for raising well-behaved kids with a loving, no-nonsense approach that works. But first, today's show is brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who's the only advanced safety education training program with an accredited CEU. To learn more about SSI Guardian, go to SSIGuardian.com and tell them Dr. Pegg sent you. And you can listen to the program every Thursday from 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain right here on KLZ 560 and online at DrPegRadio.com. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, check out my program archives at DrPegRadio.com. Well, I'm excited to have with me today in the studio a good friend of the Living Well with Dr. Pegg program and a personal friend of mine, Mrs. Shaynika Jacobs. Shay Jacobs is married to Langston, and they have two boys, Elijah and Josiah, and you'll be hearing a little bit about them today. Uh, thanks for being back on the show with me today, Shay. You've, uh, you've shared your journey from singlehood to newlywed to new parent, so you may have some questions for Dr. Lehman today, huh? I sure do. Thanks for having me back again, Dr. Peg. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, parents and grandparents, are you tired of chores not getting done or a room that resembles a garbage dump? Do you wish you could stop your 10-year-old from tattling on his 12-year-old sister? Is your toddler running you ragged with his tantrums and finicky demands? Well, whether you have a toddler or a teenager, my guest today has answers for how to get your kids in line, and some of his answers may surprise you. Dr. Kevin Lehman is an internationally known psychologist and New York Times bestselling author of uh, really too many books to name here, but one of my favorites is uh, Have a New Teenager by Friday. Dr. Lehman is also the author of another parenting book that we're going to be talking about today, which has been newly revised and previously sold more than a million copies, and it's called Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. Now, some of you are parenting maybe without using your minds. So if you need help uh, using your mind, making your kids mind without losing your mind, Dr. Lehman will show you how today. Dr. Kevin Lehman, thanks for being with us by phone today, and welcome to the program. Hey, Dr. Peck. Nice to visit with you. It's uh, fun to find a shrink that makes sense. All right. Well, thank you, and, and, and same to you. You're, you're one of my favorites out there, and I'm a big fan of yours, so it's just a, an honor and a delight to have you on the show today. Well, thank you. Well, you say in your book, that, uh, in your book Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours, that good parenting isn't easy, but it's simple. <laughs> Can you explain what you mean? You know, it really is simple. In fact, let me try to paint paint myself in the corner right off the bat with this statement. There's only one way to rear a child as a parent. Now, when you say that, I mean, I can hear people shrinking and saying, oh, my goodness, what is this guy all about? What do you mean only one way? Well, hear me out, and then you can harpoon me as <laughs> much as you'd like. But, you know, you look at three different types of parents. Uh, most of us grew up in authoritarian homes, as I did. 
uh, we were pole. I didn't have two nickels to rub together, okay? And uh, we didn't have a car when I was a little boy. We rode the bus, and uh, I had an authoritarian father and a semi-authoritarian uh, mom. And my dad would say things like, hey, 8 o'clock, and he'd point to the bedroom with his finger. Now, if you didn't move, he'd come back with, hey, you want to go to bed under your own power? Or you want to be ricocheted to bed? <laughs> But the point was what? You're going to bed. These are the parents that say things like, hey, you listen up. You go do what I tell you to do as long as you live under this roof. Hey, you want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> you know, that kind of, most of us resonated with that because most of us grew up with some kind of authoritarian background. We'll meet today's parents who says such stupid things as, hey, would you kids turn that music down? I'm trying to finish your science project for you. <laughs> And, and either extreme breeds rebellion. Now, if you're a person of faith, and I realize everybody that's listening isn't a person of faith, but if you're a heathen, just hang in there and listen <laughs> to me. It might make sense to you. You know, here's the question. Is Almighty God an authoritarian? Does he grab Dr. Pegg by the earlobe and say, you will do this, you will do that? Does he grab Kevin Lehman by the scruff of his neck? Uh, no. In fact, his holy word says, every knee shall what? Shall bow. So our model as parents ought to be God, and God is a supreme authority, but not an authoritarian. Wow. The problem is that the Church in general, and parents of particularly the Christian faith, have relied on traditional authoritarian means of rearing children. No wonder so many kids rebel and go different ways. So all I'm saying is that it, it, this is not, I'm, I'm not smart enough to write a book that's really complicated. This is simple stuff. And action, not words, some of the things you mentioned, you know, kids not doing their rooms and, and talking back or whatever. Those are so simple things to to correct, and I'll be glad to take some of your questions along that line. Well, great. Uh, well, I thought maybe you had a hidden microphone in my house growing up when you were saying those things like, uh, as long as you're living under my roof, you'll follow my rules, and I brought you into this world. <laughs> Shane, uh, she's not nodding her head, too. My my audience can finish that sentence, right, as, as you did. And yeah, so, yeah, a lot of things have changed today. Um, you know, that authoritarian parenting style may still be in the world, um, but it seemed like it worked better back then in terms of behavior. Maybe it wasn't the best thing for child development. But talk about um, how those different parenting styles affect child development and even especially our relationship uh, with our children. Well, they worked years ago because everybody knew their place. I point out to people it's, it's not that long ago, 1964, when the Civil Rights Amendment was uh, adopted. I mean, men were better than children. Uh, adults were better than children, white people were better than people of color. I mean, it went down the list. Well, we know better. We're not that stupid. We're not that naive today. Uh, each of us are on the same plane. One person isn't worth more than another person. And so if you're just authoritarian with your kids, you're going to end up with a powerful child. Mm. And I'm telling you, these powerful children want... Uh, and they're not strong-willed children. I want my kid to be strong-willed. I want my kid to say no to a peer group that says smoke this, drink this, shoot this, etc. But the powerful child wants to usurp your authority. He throws a temper tantrum in the mall. He's only three years old. 
because you refuse to get them a treat. And I say on the back cover of Making Children Mine Without Losing Yours, we have seen the enemy, and they are small. <laughs> and, and, and Shane is laughing. She has two little ones at home. <laughs> oh, listen, you know, go to a mall, and you'll, you'll wonder, you know, just watch kids <laughs> behave, and you'll know why some mothers eat their young within 10 minutes. But, you know, we love them. I understand that. I got five of them. But there's times you'd like to string them up. Let's, let's be truthful. But uh, you can guide kids through your behavior by understanding that if you love your child, you will discipline them. Mm-hmm. Discipline and love are inseparable. And so I've just spent a lifetime. You mentioned uh, you like the book, uh, Have a New Teenager by Friday. It's an award-winning book. And, you know, the 16-, 17-year-old who says, Hey, Dad, get off my case. Get out of my life. Chill, man. Don't have a cow. Give me space. Give me space. That same kid, 25 minutes later, is back with, hey, Dad, yeah. Well, can I take your car? I want to go over to Jake's house and shoot some hoops. Well, I'd love to help you, son, but right now I'm uh, out of your life. <laughs> now, see, that's letting the reality of the situation become the teacher to the child. Right, I'm right. telling you, kids play us like violins. <laughs> So we're we're part of the problem. Or kids are what they are. They are who they are. They they are how God designed them. Uh, I I always uh, get upset with parents who tell the two year old he's so bad. Oh my two year old, he's so bad. And I say no, he's not bad. He's two. He's supposed yeah. to be like that. So we're yeah, a big part part of the problem. They are how God made them. And so that authoritarian parenting style is creating the power struggle. Is what it sounds like you're saying. Exactly. And check this out, parents. Fighting is an act of cooperation. Hmm. And, and, and here's the, the funny part. I wrote a book called Have a New Husband by Friday, which is one of my all-time favorites. And I teach women who, of course, are the gurus of communication and understand all human behavior. Uh, <laughs> and I make, I make the point that your kids, ladies, are, are like your husbands. If there's one thing a husband hates is a wife asking him a question. Ugh. And we hate the Y word, okay? And, of course, the worst sentence is, ah, honey, we need to talk. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, that means uh, no words are needed by you. You're going to get a little talking to. <laughs> but, you know, with kids, we do the same thing. Kids come home from school. And what do we agree? Oh, honey, how was your day today at school? Fine. What would you do in school today? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> then he goes to his bedroom, gets on his cell phone, and Texas, buddy, like a woodpecker that's got a bad case of ADHD. <laughs> and they systematically shut us out of their lives. Well, if you want to make an indelible imprint on your kid's life, you better stop asking your kids questions. And people say, well, wait a minute. Stop asking my kid questions. I'd never know anything. I said, that's not true. Ask your son, honey, I'd love to know your opinion about something. They'll talk your ear off. Ask your husband, ladies. Honey, can I tap into that logical A comes before B mind of yours? I've got a problem. I really need help with it. I mean, I'm just telling you, your, your husband will be uh, putty in your hand, so to speak. And, again, there's a similarity between us men and these kids. Wow. Well, it, it is so simple, huh? It's not easy, but it's simple when we understand some of these basic um, 
uh, patterns of behavior. I'm speaking with psychologist and author Dr. Kevin Lehman, and he's the author of the book Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. If you'd like to ask Dr. Lehman a question, give us a call at 303-477-5600. Uh, so, Dr. Lehman, we can uh, engage our children and um, nurture that relationship with them rather than asking them a bunch of questions and interrogating them. We can um, really give them a, a, a platform and, an, and some space to really um, let us get to know them better. Um, but one of, the, I think that you write in your book, one of the issues is that we tend to micromanage every little thing about their lives. Um, what can we do differently to further draw them out? You know, I think we do that out of fear, quite frankly, Dr. Pegg. You know, we read about where kids are going today, the things they're into, and for many, many a parent, it's just, I just can't risk my kid going in that direction. So I'm going to micromanage everything uh, that they do. And I get letters and, you know, emails and stuff on my Facebook and all the time about my son or my daughter is, is starting to see another kid. They, they like a kid we don't approve of. What can we do to stop this? Hello, invite that kid mm. over to dinner. Get to know him. I mean, don't throw kerosene on the fire. Your daughter's, you know, 16 years old and in puppy love with a jerk. And that's your estimation. <laughs> you know, I understand. I understand the feeling of getting a gun and, you know, uh, that's not legal. Don't do that. <laughs> but the feeling's there. I mean, I want my daughter with that guy. Well, you'd be so smart to bring that guy over to your home. Say to your daughter, honey, you know, we're having pizza on Saturday night. Do you want to invite uh, Eric over? I mean, your daughter might just fall over. Because lots of times kids, when they feel a parent's disapproval, if they have a rebellious spirit in them, will go and feed that rebellious Mm -hmm. spirit, and they'll put themselves in a situation that's not good for them. Yeah. Well, you so, say, go you ahead. Be smart. Mm-hmm. You say in your book, Dr. Lehman, if we understand the goals behind misbehavior, we'll have better success getting our children to mind. Does that apply from toddlers to teens? Not especially with toddlers. They're just hedonistic little suckers that want everything instantly. But as they get older, yeah. Uh, for example, all kids are attention getters, okay? All kids are attention getters. The question is, are they negative attention getters or positive attention getters. I write about the concept of encouragement, okay? Vitamin E, I call it in my book. And kids thrive with encouragement. But most of us, if you're a traditional parent, you grew up with praise. Now, you'll be on Good Morning America with me when I say praise is destructive with children. They look at me like I got a screw loose, okay? But after a six-minute interview, I love to walk away and hear him still talking about the interview. And the guy says, you know, he's right. Well, let me give you an example. Kid brings home five A's on a report card. Traditional parent means well. All five A's. I am so excited. I'm calling your grandmother right now and Aunt Margie. (laughs) Oh, you are the best boy in the whole world. Here's three kisses and $20. Now, there's your traditional reward praise. Let me give you using it in encouragement. Wow. Five A's. It looks like all that hard work you did really paid off, honey. Congratulations. And guess what, parent? You just saved yourself $20. (laughs) So you want that kid to feel good about his effort. And that's why you mentioned 
uh, a room not being clean. 12-year-old doesn't clean his room. And I'm a reasonable person. I would tell my 12-year-old, I want this room shoveled out <laughs> on Tuesdays and Saturdays. That's not asking too much. I want to see the floor. And so it's not done. Now, without warning, I'm going to hire a 10-year-old sister to go in and clean that room for him. I'm going to pay for it out of his allowance to that young 10-year-old. You will get your 12-year-old attention real quick. Mm. So it ought to resemble life. You want your car washed, they'll wash it for $10. Or you can stay home and wash it yourself. Now, some kids are not necessarily motivated by money, and so are there are there other ways to offer that kind of an encouragement um, sure. in terms of um, letting them kind of take some investment or pride in their room or being able to find things more easily? Well, for some kids. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. the guy that wrote the birth order book. I'm convinced that firstborn children are organized at birth. I'm, I married one, and I'm here to tell you I'm afraid of her. I want you to go on record is saying I'm afraid of my wife. She's got an answer for everything. She is the firstborn firstborn. I'm the baby of the family. And I have learned in living with her uh, that's just the way she is. A simple dinner at our home on Saturday night starts on Thursday. <laughs> she drives me nuts. Everything that she makes got to be made from scratch. My idea of great food is a burger at a drive-thru. We're very, very different people. And yet, if I'm going to deal with her, i got to get behind her eyes. Can I talk about foreplay on your show? <laughs> well, maybe after the break, Dr. Lehman, we'll, we'll hold that thought. Uh, we're going to take a break here in just a moment uh, to hear from our sponsor, SSI Guardian. I'm speaking with Dr. Kevin Lehman about his book, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. We'll hear more from him when we come back. Stay with us. Don't go away. Are you prepared for a sudden cardiac arrest? Having an AED is simply not enough. School athletic coaches are required to have CPR and AED training, but they can only save a life with properly functioning and maintained equipment. Maintain compliance and reduce your liability with AED program management from SSI Guardian. Buy an AED and receive a two-year management program for free. Call us today at 877-878-5800 or visit us at SSIGuardian.com. You can learn a lot about yourself and God from a dog. When her children asked for a dog, this mom got them gerbils. So imagine their surprise, and hers, when she adopted an abandoned dog that she met in Dallas, Texas, just one day after her divorce. In a way that only God could orchestrate, her spur-of-the-moment decision to take in a little dog she named Dallas was just the beginning of a seven-year journey that transformed her life and taught her to see herself and God in a whole new light. Read Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, a delightful and heartwarming book by psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Part memoir, part Christian inspiration, Doggy Tales is a must-read for anyone who wants to learn to recognize God's voice, even in the most unlikely places. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll love Doggy Tales. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. 
Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 Security Consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Well, we're about halfway through January in a new year. Maybe you need some help sticking with your goals for 2018. If so, I'd like to invite you to my Do Something Different for Change workshop on Saturday, February 17th, 2018 from 9 to 1 in Denver, Colorado. Your workshop registration is only $17 and includes a signed copy of my book, Do Something Different for a Change. If you want to learn how to register for that workshop, go to drpegradio.com different. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, it's about time you did something different for a change in your parenting. My guest today has a different approach to parenting. He's the author of the book, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. And listeners, if you have a question for Dr. Kevin Lehman, about parenting your toddler, your teenager, and everything in between, give us a call. The number is 303-477-5600. Again, my guest today, Dr. Kevin Lehman. Thanks so much for being with us by phone today, Dr. Lehman. Hey, you're welcome. I was talking about the fact you got to understand who you're married to. Yeah. You have to understand your kids. And I mentioned foreplay. In my home, foreplay is cleaning the kitchen, <laughs> wiping off the countertops, and check this out, putting the toaster away. All now, right. In my mind, why would you put the toaster away? You're going to use it in 24 hours. But to get along with Mrs. Uppington, the woman I've lived with for 50 years in a row, um, I've learned put that sucker away, wipe off the countertops, and she's a happy lady. And some kids are like that. Dad, what time are we going to leave? Honey, we'll leave around 9. Dad, what time are we going to leave? Honey, we'll leave the parking lot at 9.05. Thank you, Daddy. In other words... Those little firstborn children have the need to know all the details. Mm. They tend to be just different than their secondborns. And so, parents, do you treat your kids differently? And before you answer the question, does God treat us differently? He sure does. He's given us all different um, ideas and talents. And I love this. Identical twins have the same DNA. They're genetically the same person. Mm. God gave them different fingerprints. Why? To help the FBI? (laughs) It was just God's way of saying, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are different than everybody else. So why should two kids go to bed at the same time unless they're twins? They shouldn't. The, the birth order ought to be extended to the firstborn. Little one goes to bed. I know the expedient thing. I've, I've reared five kids. I know it's easier to say, everybody in bed now, because mm. you want some quiet time. I understand that, but I'm just saying, you want your kids to feel valued in your home. Yeah. Well, and and I have twins, Dr. Lehman. They're fraternal, a boy and a girl. They're now 23. And so I can attest to even twins are very different. And uh, while I did put them down at the same time for bedtime because it is expedient and convenient, um, not every kid needs the same amount of sleep even when they're the same age. And our rule was always you don't have to go to sleep, but you need to be in your room quiet. And so you can do whatever you want. You can stay up as late as you want, uh, but we're shutting it down. 
And yeah. so really responding to each child differently is key. But that is so. I hope you'll beat that into your listeners. You know, uh, parents, again, they become too controlling. You can't make a child mind, hmm. but you can set up a situation where the kid figures out, I'm better off the mind. You can't make a kid go to sleep. Mm-hmm. But I love what you say. You're going to be in the bedroom. Yeah, you know, yeah. Again, the parents, this isn't rocket science. You can do this. And when a kid throws a temper tantrum in the mall, all he is saying is, hey, I am an authority over you, and you're going to do what I want. Mm. And the old admonition, train up a child. Most of us don't train up children. We train down children. Mm. And the way he should go doesn't mean the way you think he should go. It really speaks of the individual bent of each of your children. Right. And Dr. Lehman, I have um, Shanika Jacobs here with me today, and she Uh has two boys. Shay, how old are your boys? Elijah is five and Josiah is three. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Lehman, you hit on something that I actually was going to ask you to give a little bit more insight on. In your book, you talked about um, the significance of birth order and how that affects, you know, um, parenting styles and how it affects I guess, you know, privilege, like you just mentioned. So with me having a five-year-old and a three-year-old, we've done the same error as most people. We've parented them sometimes um, the same, but have been doing things a little bit different because their personalities are so extremely different. Their needs are so different. So can you talk a little bit more about how birth order um, influences a family and parenting? Yeah, it does in many ways. Um You know, we have four grandchildren, and uh, two of them are African-American twins. Our daughter in Chicago has uh, adopted them from birth, and they couldn't be any more different. I mean, one is tall and slender. The other is um, more compact. (laughs) There's five inches difference in their height, and they're only 22 months old. Wow. One loved the pacifier, one hated the pacifier. But they're the joy of our life, and we laugh ourselves silly as watching them. But my daughter, I'm so proud of her, her and her husband Josh are doing a great job. They're training them, and yet they're, they're enabling these differences in them to be differences. And, they're, and it's just a matter of fact, as a parent, you practiced on your firstborn. Yeah. You're a little five-year-old, yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> You you know, it's just, and you did it just like Kevin and Sandy Lehman did with our firstborn, Holly, who now has 21 schools reporting to her, by the way. Wow. And uh, she's the Judge Judy. I mean, she could, she can spot a flaw at 50 yards. Uh, she could run uh, all of our lives simultaneously. But she was one of those kids that when you ask her the question, or she asked the question, you better give her the detail or she'd drive you crazy over it. So we tend to project our own uh, unfulfilled dreams and wishes on our children, especially the firstborn. The second one we loosen up with. They tend to get away with murder. They get good at setting up their older brother or sister. Um, But here's the thing, parent. Fighting's an act of cooperation. So if the kids are doing their dog and pony show, taking them by the hand, putting them in the same room and closing the door, or putting them in different rooms and closing the door, In other words, you're an authority. You're the one that gets to throw the the orange flag like a ref would in a football game and say, hey, listen, we're not doing that. And and the kids, when you look at the 5-year-old and 3-year-old, even at that age, you say, mommy is very unhappy with what's going down here. Turn your back and walk away. You've raked 
rules over those two little suckers. Hmm. And, uh, and they don't like it. And so keep in mind, parents, that kids want you to be an authority. I, mm-hmm, yeah. I build schools, uh, and I've got a school right down near in Parker, Colorado, called Lehman Academy of Excellence. Mm. And we have put uh, authority in the classroom teacher's hands in our schools. And we build a school, and they fill up, and there's long waiting lines trying to get in them. Why? Because parents love the idea of authority, that we have rules, that we have expectations for kids, and kids get it. So I'm just telling you that I don't care if it's a school or a business. Uh, my friend Josh McDowell said something so profound once. Well, he only said one profound thing his entire life <laughs> that I know of, but it was so profound I stole it from him. He said, rules without relationship yeah. lead to rebellion. And um, it's true. So someday you might take, uh, is it little Elijah? He's a little guy. Elijah's the older. He's five. He'll be six. Little Josiah is three. Josiah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there might come a time, for example, when you pull little Josiah aside. Now, this might be uh, 13 years from now or 10 years from now. And you might say, hey, Josiah, uh, can I ask your opinion about something? Sure, Mom. Uh is your brother a little over the top, or is it me? <laughs> now, when you do that, now you're both laughing, but I'm telling you, that is powerful stuff. Someone says to that kid, hey, somebody understands what I'm up against. Right. Because he's got a two-year start on everything. Mm-hmm. And firstborns tend to be firstborns, and babies tend to be babies. Mm-hmm. And, and just getting behind the kid's eyes and sharing with them in a non-threatening way that I understand what you're up against. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's gold. Parenting gold, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's such a, a great uh, saying there, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And relationship really is key. And, and that really is our goal. Again, I had my twins home for the holidays, and they're young adults now. And it, it was just a delight to be able to have a, a different kind of relationship with them today, as still as their mother, but to young adults. And I was telling Shay before we came on the air that it was also humbling. My kids are now old enough to, to kind of tell me about myself <laughs> and to oh, get yeah. me to take a good look at myself and some of the, maybe the mistakes I made back then and even some of my personality traits today. So um, it, it's beautiful to be able to have that kind of relationship with them when they're young and then especially as young adults. Uh, you find out everything they did when they were a kid that you didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, I found out some things I didn't want to know. Uh, let, let's talk about, um, Dr. Lehman, another common slogan that, uh, you know, the authoritarian parent might say, and what your thoughts are about this. Um, in my day, parents used to say, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, and then they proceeded to do some of the very things that they told me not to do. <laughs> uh, how can parents be good role models with their own behavior, and how important really is that? Yeah, I think, you know, your words have to match your actions. And uh, it's, again, it's the kids are always taking behavioral notes, emotional notes, spiritual notes on how you live your life. You know, you're going through the grocery store, and a clerk gives you a change for a 50, and uh, you gave him a 20. And you say to the clerk, excuse me, uh, you gave me the wrong change. Oh, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. You gave me check change for a 50. I only gave you a 20. 
and your kids are there, and they're listening, and they're watching. You don't have to teach them about honesty. Hmm. They just saw it. Hmm. You know, I mean, just keep in mind, parents, we make fools of ourselves. That first one I mentioned earlier, our oldest daughter, Holly, who's now an administrator in a big school system, um, age 11, I'll never forget the moment I had run over her feelings about something, made a fool of myself, and she said, uh, you know what you ought to do? And show you how stupid I am, ladies. I said, what? <laughs> she said, you ought to read your own book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, we have she was the same right. daughter. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, it's true, but I apologized. And life went on. You never look bigger in your kids' eyes when you apologize. Mm-hmm. That's so important is to humble yourself and to, to take them aside and say, hey, you know, I overreacted. I made this mistake. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Uh, I can say from personal experience that's extremely powerful in the moment and even many years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell stories at seminars where I speak where the whole audience is in tears crying. Mm. I mean, everybody's crying. I'm crying, they're crying. I mean, I'm a dad who loves his kids, and I'd take a bullet for any of them. And uh, they're all very different. Uh, So I think sometimes when people hear some of the things I suggest to do with kids to get their attention, uh, they write that off as being too gruff, too harsh, too this, too that. The reality is... uh, I'm pretty softy as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the age where our youngest is 20, what is she, 24. And um, I love to hear what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Dad, I remember time this, I time that. And and they're not all perfect scenarios, but they know they're loved, and that's the difference. Right. And so, again, the admonition is this. If you love your child, parent, you will discipline them. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to get their point of view on some things that you didn't even necessarily think were that significant. And those are the things they remember that made an impression on them that were important in shaping them and putting them on the path they're on today. Uh, You know, Dr. Lehman, we're reading and seeing so much in the news today uh, stories about children killing themselves or kids cutting on themselves or acting out violently towards others. And often there, there were signs, but parents just haven't learned what to look for. And you write about in your book that one important sign is a market change in your child's behavior. Uh, what should parents do if they see a sudden change in their child's behavior and they think they're moving in a direction that's not a healthy one? Well, I'm one of those people who made a living saying, you know, you don't have to run off to your shrink for everything, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not one that overreacts. I don't think every kid's... In fact, I think a lot of kids should never see a counselor. Mm. Uh, I think you can deal as a psychologist with parents and um, help a kid without ever looking at the kid, just talking to the parents and knowing what's going on with that kid's life. But we see things. We just saw Washington State a quarterback up and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, take his life. Inside, and, yeah. uh you see these things, you shake your head at it. it uh, it's hard to figure out. But you need to understand that kids are different. You have to be aware. All of a sudden, there's a huge change. The kids' grades drop off the table from A's to F's. All of a sudden, he shows up or she shows up uh, dressed in goth. Uh, 
all black, all this, all that, all the extreme stuff. Well, in all probability, the kid's smoking dope. That's the best guess, okay. And all of a sudden, you see different friends and uh, show up. And you either sit by passively and stick your head in the sand and say it's just a stage, or you're smart and you get that kid evaluated. Hmm. And kids are not are very anxious to be evaluated. Uh, they think anybody that's a year older than them is too old to talk to. Uh, but you take the bull by the horns, you make it happen. Did you know those late teenage years, um, 18 to 22, you see a lot of kids today uh, who, well, they use the old term, manic depressive, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's, there's certain, um, illnesses, quite frankly, that come on in those late uh, teenage years, uh, get help. There's help on every corner. Yeah. Uh, there's not, there's not a scarcity of help. There's people who are willing, but find yourself someone who wants to get rid of you. That would be my advice. I don't care if it's marital stuff or kids with your uh, problems with your kids, find someone that is willing to roll up their sleeves, get behind your kids' eyes, your eyes, sort of understand what your family's all about, and be a good source of encouragement for you. We all have problems in life, and you've got to be able to roll with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think parents react to far too many things. Your kid comes home and tells you he wants to go to a rock concert that's 60 miles away. He's 16 years old. And he wants to drive with another buddy who's 16. I mean, what do most parents say? Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm not wasting my hard-earned money to send you to hear some weirdo uh, play loud music 60 miles away. Now, that's what most of us say. The smart parent would say, wow, that must be somebody really good. Hey, is there any way I can download what their music? I'd love mm -hmm. to hear some of it. Yeah. Am I saying send a kid 60 miles with another kid on the freeway? No, I wouldn't let my kid go. But I'd sure hear him out. Right. Before you just say no, again, relationship. Uh, I'm speaking with Dr. Kevin Lehman, and he's got a new book out that's a revised edition, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. Uh, we're going to continue talking with him and talk about the role of social media and the Internet, um, getting into your child's world. That might involve watching a few YouTube videos and seeing what's being posted on Snapchat. We'll hear his thoughts on that when we return. Stay with us. We'll be back. Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the safest environment. Take action today by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. 
I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and patterns? If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready for change, join me for a one-day, do something different for a change, personal transformation retreat. In this intensive yet intimate retreat, you'll learn fundamental principles and strategies for lasting change and transformation and craft a customized plan that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your own private VIP Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com slash retreat. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I've been speaking with Dr. Kevin Lehman about parenting uh, without losing your mind. (laughs) If you'd like to connect with Dr. Lehman or share this interview with a friend, go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. I'll also have a link to him and his website, drlehman.com. And if you want to start the new year off right, you can attend my Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat that you just heard about or my February 17th workshop. Go to drpegradio.com slash different to register for the workshop today. Now, Dr. Lehman, we were talking about um, uh, situations that uh, we're seeing more and more children experiencing um, depression, maybe even becoming suicidal. And uh, Shay was saying during the break, uh, Shay, what did you say that was called? Yeah, they're now terming it bully side whereby uh, children who are being bullied on the internet through social media commit suicide. And so that's a new um, term that they're using. Yeah, so that's cyberbullying. Uh, can you talk a little bit, Dr. Lehman, about um, social media and the internet, uh, what role that, that might play in some of the changes that you were talking about that we see with our kids when they're in distress, and um, kind of developmentally, what kind of guidelines can you give to parents? Because we can't avoid our kids um, uh, being exposed to the internet and social media. So what what should we do as parents to keep them safe? Well, I start with a cell phone, which I call the new Goliath. Mm-hmm. And this is a Goliath that we're not taking down. This is a Goliath that's going to be around for a long time. Um, kids live their lives, adults live their lives on their cell phone. What I don't get is parents who will give a cell phone to a second grader. Uh, yeah, you and me both, Dr. Lehman. It's crazy. It's just so over the top. And so I just spoke to um, our eighth graders at Lehman Academy at our school in Tucson the other day, and they wanted me to, you know, give something inspirational to kids. And and I said to them, I said, hey, kids, let me ask you something. Do you really want to be like everybody else? Is that really your, your goal in life? I said, you know, if you are, let me give you some things. You'll be married in all probability. You'll be divorced seven years later. Quite frankly, you'll live a miserable life. Do you really want to be like somebody else? And so, like everybody else. And so I think you have to be able to teach kids to be street smart. You know about sexting. You know what kids do today. I mean, they just do the dumbest things. That's why God gave us parents. And, I mean, you're talking to a man that graduated fourth in his class in high school from the bottom. <laughs> couldn't get admitted to college. High school counselor told me he couldn't get into reform school. I mean, I've been there. I was that class clown. But you know what? I always tell people, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. 
And so the key people in your life, the three of our lives, think about them. You don't need more than one hand to enumerate them. You're lucky if you had somebody who believed in you. And so as you teach kids about the dangers of sexting or taking pictures uh, that shouldn't be seen by anybody other than your mother, uh, they need to know the consequences of it. And the cyberbullying that's going on today is tremendous. Mm -hmm. And you have to catch your kids being kind. And I think you encourage that as best you can. Our youngest daughter, uh, Lauren, invited a kid to a U of A football game, University of Arizona football game. And once I got the kid in the car, I figured who that kid was. It's a kid I didn't like. He's got a nasty attitude, and and he ate like a horse, costing about 20 bucks to feed him on top of that. And, and then I dropped him off that night. I said to Lauren, I said, Lauren, why did you invite that kid to the ball game? And she said, she was 13 at the time. She said, because no one likes him. What a proud moment as a dad, huh? Yeah, but see, and that's where you say, wow, I should have had a V8. I mean, <laughs> you know, I said, well, you know, Lauren, I'm so proud of you to be sensitive to those kind of people. And we've really gone out of our way to teach kids about the importance of other people. And I think if you if you take that tact and you talk about Snapchat and simple things, uh, Facebook and, I mean, you name it, Instagram. I mean, all these things, I mean, they're very wonderful in many ways. But I had a granddaughter come to me and tell me that, uh, Grandpa, I had eight eight likes on my Facebook. I said, Adeline, uh, that's not a good thing. No, Grandpa, I got eight likes. I said, honey, let's talk about being liked. Mm-hmm. And we had a good discussion about being liked. And that kid today, age 12, I'd have to tell you, is kind, considerate. Mm-hmm. Actually gets a, an award tomorrow, I found out, at our school, is most caring in her class. Mm-hmm. And see, that's what I'm proud of. And I think if you shoot it straight to kids and you share some of your life, hey, parents, be brave enough to share some of the dumb, stupid things you did in your life. I've made a career sharing the dumb things I've done in my life. So my kids know I was thrown out of Cub Scouts, et cetera, yeah. and thrown out of college and... <laughs> So, whatever but so I'm, I'm just saying the realness that comes across in your relationship will help you as a parent uh talk about some of the fears that you have about social networking and so again that's the key is relationship it's not about telling them what they can't do but having a conversation about what it means what some of the risks are consequences and as you keep saying seeing it from behind their eyeballs is uh you know, what are they getting out of it? What are the things they are engaged in where you can have a dialogue with them rather than them hiding what they're doing and doing it in isolation? Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned cutting before. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, parents, you know, cutting is where kids will take a sharp instrument, a razor, whatever, and they'll cut themselves, all different parts of their body, sometimes hidden from view. Uh, but you know what? When you get down to what cutting's all about, it's anger that's turned inward, but you know what? A lot of kids have told me it's one of the things I get to control of my life. Maybe it's the only thing they get to control in their life. Now, that might sound weird when you first hear it, but I'm telling you, if you're a controlling parent, and again, ask yourself the question, is Almighty God a controlling God? No. 
He loves us so much, he gave us free will. Free will to say, God, stick in here, I want no part of you. That's how much he loves us. And so with kids, you get to a point where, honey, you know what? I can't legislate your life. But I can tell you, if you go down that road, I mean, I'm going to be forced to do some things as a consequence. Because I'm not given the keys to a car that I own, that I insure, to a kid who doesn't pull average grades or better in high school. It just doesn't make sense to me. It sure doesn't make sense to my insurance company. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit, Dr. Lehman, because we have all, all kinds of folks who are listening. And there might be some single parents out there. There might be some blended families um, yeah, I love single listening. Parents. And so uh, I imagine there a lot of these... Um, principles and strategies apply regardless of the the makeup of your family but what are some tips that you can offer to single parents and then we can also talk about for blended families all right let's start with single female uh, parents you are the gatherers of guilt (laughs) guilt is the propellant for most of the lousy decisions Mm. you will make you don't have to be both husband uh, dad um, you can't be both. It's impossible. Yeah. But there's many women who have that mindset that they need to be. So throw that out the window. Be the best mom you can be. Work toward consistency. Mm-hmm. When you blow it, I'm sorry. And realize, those of us who are married, look around. How many single parents do you know could use a helping hand? Mm. And uh, I'd love to tell you it happens in the church, but it doesn't. In fact, the single parent is a threat to a lot of women in the church, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other story. Yeah, a whole other interview. But, uh, you know, it's tough being a single parent. But don't fall into the activity trap. And a lot of single parents do so because mm-hmm. they figure that's a good way to keep the kids off the street. I understand some activity. I don't understand too many activities. Yeah, and you have some uh, guidelines in your book about one activity um, per child. Per semester. Per semester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's busy enough. Yeah, and we did that again with our twins. Uh, it was convenient when they were doing the same things, but again, they had different personalities and wanted to explore their different interests, and so we were going off in two different directions uh, to keep them involved in their activities and realized we can't do this. We have to put a limit on it. And so I, I'm a firm believer of that. But how do we how do we um, deal with our neighbors and our kids' um, classmates when they're doing five things and we're telling our child you can only do one? What, what would be a good way to explain that to the child? Well, number one, the kids won't take your explanations very good, no matter what you tell them, because all their buddies are doing this. Mm-hmm. And with a straight face, you say, listen, honey, if you want to call the Bensons and ask them if there's any way you could possibly live with them, uh, we would bless that move tomorrow. And you do that with a straight face. Yeah, with a straight face. you got to do it. It's a shocky event. <laughs> like, what, what did you say? Mom, I wasn't saying I want to leave the house. I just want to be able to uh, play this and play that. And, and giving kids choices and saying, honey, you're gonna have to, you can do that, but you're going to have to give up something else if mm-hmm. you want to do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, parents who just knock themselves out silly, trying to keep their kids happy at every turn, let me remind you of this little one. An unhappy child is a healthy child. Mm. And just keep in mind, parents, there's times that your kid 
has to be angry, sad, upset, and most of the time he deserves it or she deserves it. And they, uh, they learn to understand the cause and effect and then how to self-soothe, how to cope with those emotions. That's going to happen in life. Exactly. And the message of a parent, I mean, the kid slams the door. Here's another traditional parent. Kid slams the door. What do most parents say? Hey, don't you be slamming this door, uh, the doors in this house, young lady. Well, let me give you another way to handle that parent. Uh, honey, excuse me, I'm not sure what that slam door meant. Does that mean you're sick of living in this four-bedroom home with premium Wi-Fi? <laughs> just checking. <laughs> or when a kid rolls their eyes. I mean, just say something like, oh, honey, that was so good. Would you do that again? Only do it slow motion. <laughs> I'd like to get a video of that. I mean, they're kids. Yeah. So when we don't get caught up in guilt, especially, as you were saying, um, with yeah. single parents, they're they're giving their kids things that maybe they can't even afford. They've got them super, super busy. They're, they're giving in to any request out of guilt. Uh, so really recognizing that it's okay for kids to be told no. It's okay for kids to be frustrated, and they can take that as a learning opportunity. Yeah, I always love Sonia Carson's story about Ben Carson, his brother Curtis. <laughs> they grew up in abject poverty, and here was this single mom who was illiterate and she made the kids do book reports. Mm -hmm. I love that story. It's so cool. You know, be the best mom you can be. If you're in a blended family, by the way, there's a misnomer. They really don't blend. They collide. <laughs> it takes about three to seven years for that blend to firmly mm -hmm. take place. But it can be done. But you have to defer to each other. You have to be shoulder to shoulder on the same page. If not, they will drive a wedge between you. Because everybody in the blended family uh, has an axe to grind. Um, the, the foundation of the blended family is cemented with a mortar of anger, bitterness, jealousy, hurt, and anger. Notice I used anger twice. Anger twice. I, I caught that. Yeah, and for good reason, because everybody's got that emotional chip on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. And, and they're, so you're, they're invested you in how things together. used to be, yeah. too. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, again, it's not easy, but there's a simple paradigm, a simple model to follow. Well, you described the ABCs that every child needs, whether they're being raised by a single parent or in a blended family or a traditional family. Uh, talk about those, those ABCs, acceptance, belonging, and competence. Yeah, I love those because they work in almost anything acceptance. You have to accept kids for who they are. And you'll see that little personality that's God-given. It'll bloom before you. Firstborn might be very, very cautious about anything. Once they get out the lay of the land, watch out, they'll run over you. Babies of the family might just jump in with both feet. you got to learn how to negotiate these waters with these kids. Uh, they got to feel special. Um, and then you've got belonging. How do you make kids feel like they belong to anything? How does business do it today? You've got to give them a piece of the action. Mm. You've got to ask them what they think. Honey, I want your opinion about something. Would you be, you be brave enough to share that with me? I'd really like to know how you feel about this and that. And that's where kids don't feel controlled. They feel valued. And then competence. You can't get away from competence. At Lehman Academy of Excellence, we expect kids to do well, and 
And I tell parents, I told a group of parents the other day, I said, you know what, if your kid misbehaves, we've got teachers here, we'll handle them. But you know what, if your kid gets to a point where he's disrupting the whole classroom, expect a call from school. But the parents about fall over when they find out seven-year-old, second grader is the one that calls and said, Mom, I don't know how to behave, and you need to come pick me up now. So you you keep the ball on the right side of the court, so to speak, mm-hmm. holding kids accountable at all times. So you mm-hmm. want to work toward competence because mm-hmm. kids have to learn these basics. Yeah, and one of the parenting styles that you didn't talk about, you talked about authoritarian, but there's that permissive parenting style that does everything for a child and um, sends a message, you're not competent, you can't do this, I've got to do it for you. They may think they're showing love and being helpful, but it really is uh, debilitating that child, isn't it? Well, and since you're a clinical psychologist, I'm going to use a clinical word for you with those parents. They're nuts. <laughs> it's I hard mean, enough being a parent handling oh, your yeah. own stuff, not in, let alone your kids, huh? Oh, my goodness, they're nuts. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, oh, Dr. Lehman, Ralph, and I feel very strongly about this. We believe every child should get a trophy. So we even enrolled Melissa in non-competitive soccer. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. Talk to anybody who's successful in life, including Dr. Pegg, and you'll find there was failure in her life. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> well, Dr. Lehman, we're um, running out of time here. If you um, could leave the parents with one thing that they can start doing tonight to see a change in their children, what would you say? I would say be a good listener and stop asking questions. Mm. And put the word opinion in your everyday vocabulary with those that you love. Wow, that's great. And as you said, we can use that probably with our spouse as well and anyone in our lives that we want to deepen that relationship with. Uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman, thanks so much for being my guest today and talking about your book, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. Yeah, check us out at birtorderguy.com. It's a fun website. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show. And Shanika Jacobs, you're a mom of two boys. Thank you so much. I hope you got some helpful information to take back home with you. I sure did. Thanks again for having me. Thank you, Shay. And listeners, uh, my next personal transformation retreat is March 3rd, 2018 in Denver. You can learn more about it at drpegradio.com slash retreat. My guests have been Dr. Kevin Lehman and Mrs. Shanika Jacobs. And I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Peg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.